We're going to jump into the book of Judges today. We've been in this series called Binge the Bible. It's built basically like a Netflix series, right? You binge uh, the Bible for a few weeks. You take a break. You digest what you've learned. How do we live it out? What does that look like? And then we jump back in at a later date, okay? So we're in season two, episode three of Binge the Bible. We've walked through Joshua last week. We finished Joshua, broken into five different sections, uh, that book is. And this week, we're jumping into the book of Judges. Yes, if you're new here, yes, we go through a book of the Bible a week, but we do it in a way to where it's an overarching look at what that book of the Bible means, hoping that you'll go home and read that book with that information and watch what God does with that information to help it get from our head to our heart so that we can live this thing out. Our phrase here is we're world changers, and we believe we do that with the power of God, the Spirit of God, and the information of who God is. So last week, uh, we walked through and finished the book of Joshua. Joshua has now led the Israelite nation to conquer the land of Jericho, which was the promised land that God had given them. They've conquered Jericho. They've actually conquered many other nations and territories, many other kings, like 21 other kings. And where we left off was Joshua was on his deathbed, right? And he looks at him and he basically says this, you have to make your choice, okay? He's looking at him and going, you know, God has never failed you. His promises have never lied. He's always come through for you. And he's going, as for me and my house, what does he say? We will what? Serve the Lord. But he's going, for you and your house, you got to decide, who are you going to serve? You're going to serve the big G, holy God, or are you going to serve a little G God of the, of, the, of the nations, of the Egyptian gods that were in, in your life and in your, in your ancestors' lives? Which one are you going to serve? And he goes, you got to make your choice. And he actually kind of says it like this. He goes, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't put it off. Make your decision now. And for many of you last Sunday uh, that were here, you made that decision in that moment to go, at this moment, I am deciding from this point forward, I am submitting my life to Jesus, and as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I think that deserves some celebration in the room today as people put their faith in Jesus. <laughs> Lives were eternally changed. Now, that's where we left off. Now we're going to jump into the book of Judges today. Okay? Now, Judges gets its name from the type of leader that was leading the 12 tribes, each tribe, in Israel. Okay? They called them judges, not because they are like Judge Judy. Okay? That is not the type of judge we're talking about. They were a judge that basically the idea was this. God is king. Okay? God is king. We follow his law or follow his way. All right? And we and people obey that. And the judges rule the land. In other words, the judges create areas, ways to hold people accountable to follow the way of God. To follow God's law. To follow God's way. And so they called them judges. Again, don't think Judge Judy, because that's not what it was. Uh, they were rulers of that time. Now, I'm going to give you this as you go read the book of Judges this week. Judges can be a difficult read at times, because it is also violent. And it is destructive at times. And here's why, and we'll talk about it in a minute, so it's all going to make sense. But I want to tell you why it's like that. It's because God doesn't lose. Like, you got to know that. God don't lose. Okay? It's the same thing as if somebody broke into your home and threatened you and your family. What would you do? You ain't going to lose. Right? You're going to fight back. Why? Because somebody's threatening you. God doesn't lose. 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 He's the big G God. He is the God of the universe. 
and he's not going to lose. You can fight him all you want, but you ain't going to win. I'm just letting you know you're not going to win. And that's where a lot of this comes from. Now, a few questions we always answer up front. Who wrote it? When did they write it? Why did they write it? And who did they write it to? But before we talk about who wrote it, we got this verse hopefully memorized by now, right? We talk about this. All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable. These are the things that Scripture, any Scripture in the Bible is going to do for you. It's profitable. It's going to help you for teaching, for reproof or rebuke, for correcting us, and for training us in righteousness, which means training us how to have a right relationship with God. That's what Scripture's going to do. Even the Scriptures you don't like. Come on, y'all are mighty quiet in the room today. Even the Scriptures you don't like, even the Scripture you go, God, I wish you wouldn't have put that in there. It's for one of these reasons, for us, right? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now watch this. Man wrote the Bible, but man didn't come up with the Bible. you got to know that. It is written by men. It was not inspired nor created by man. It was inspired and created by who? God. We know this scripture by now. So who wrote it? Most people believe, most theologians, most historians, a majority of them believe Samuel wrote the book of Judges. Now, you can go research that, and you're going to come up with three or four different names. Because there are three to four different people that could have wrote the book. Most people settle through cadence, through writing, through experiences in their life, in, in contrast to what's in the book, all these things. They go back and they, 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 they credit it to Samuel. Most of them do. So we're going to give Samuel most of the credit here for writing the book of Judges. Who was it written to? Again, the nation of Israel. That's where we're at. They're writing to the nation of Israel. Why are they writing this book to the nation of Israel? And this is where, I'm just going to be honest, as we walk through it today, it's going to get real personal. And not real personal for me, like I'm pouring out my life to you. It does get personal for me, but not like that. It gets personal for you individually. Because what's going to happen is we're going to start to see why do we keep getting the same results and living the same cycle every single day? Why do we live a lifestyle that is destructive to my faith, destructive to my family, destructive to my spouse, you name it. Why does it seem so hard to get out of that stuff? And we're going to talk about breaking the cycle in 2024. However, today, yeah, you liked that teaser, didn't you? However, today, that's what good Netflix shows do. Um, we're going to talk about revealing the cycle of sin and rebellion. He's revealing to the nation of Israel, you got a cycle in your life because you won't overcome what you won't realize. Y'all got to write that down. Somebody's got to know that in the room today. You will not overcome what you will not realize. Here's what I mean. If you don't realize that the way you talk to people is wrong, you will never change the way you talk to people. Y'all are mighty quiet in the room. Hey, next week, Pastor Travis, Red Bulls for everybody, all right? Because I need some help in here today. It's just that kind of mess. Like, it's going to reveal. You have to realize something in order to change it. And here's the truth. Mature people are always realizing new things that need to change. Because we've never arrived. Ever arrived. I'm reading leadership books and theology books. And I'm reading marriage books and parenting books all the time. You know why? I sure as heck ain't got it figured it out. You might have it figured out way more than I do, but I don't. You know why? Because there's a cycle that i got to figure out how to break in multiple areas of my life. And so do you. It was written in 1350 to 1050 
B.C. As you always see dates, when it comes to stuff like this, you can give or take a year or two. But this is about the right time, 1350 to 1050 B.C. So we are starting on our timeline that's going to lead us up to the Babylonian exile that takes us straight into Jesus, right? We are starting to creep up to the one main character that almost everybody knows, whether you know the Bible or not, King David. We're getting there. He's a huge piece of the puzzle, but we're starting there. So we're about right here at this point. We've, we, this is how much room and much time we have covered in two seasons of Binge the Bible. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome that you can walk through it like that and understand a little bit more of what we're going to do? Now, if you want to sum up the book of Judges in one quick verse or one quick statement, it's this. Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own sight or in his own eyes. Doesn't that sound mighty familiar today? Wow. Everyone, do- you can't tell me that's wrong because I don't think that's wrong. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Here's the problem. Everybody wants to be right. But in order for right to be a reality, there has to be a wrong. There is no right without a wrong, and there is no good without a bad. We have to under, we want to eliminate one from the other, but if you eliminate one, you eliminate both. It's the way that the world is set up. It's the way life, the cycle that we all live in, and this, and I'm telling you, what you're going to get to the end of the book today, we're going to get to the end of the message today, the end of the book of Judges, and you're going to look, and you're going to go, it makes complete sense in my life now. I understand it. You're going to look and go, society makes complete sense now. I understand what's happening because I believe that we are living the book of Judges today. I truly believe that individually and societally, we are living the book of Judges over and over and over and over again. And there is a way to break it. You don't have to keep getting the same results. And like I looked at somebody this week, we were talking about leadership, and I said, what is the definition of insanity? It's expecting different results, but what? Continuing to do the same thing. You can't do that. So if you want different results, it's time to break the cycle. So what does the cycle look like? What are we talking about here? And we're going to go through four sections of the cycle and look at the cycle and look at how this thing continues to recycle and come back around and change lives every single day. We're going to start here. With rebellion. Now, if you followed the nation of Israel and the story of Israel, right? So here's where we are. Let me catch you up real quick. They go through a famine and they move to a place called Egypt. Egypt begins to feed them with the overflow that they saved up. So they're feeding them, and then as they're feeding them, slowly but quickly, at the same time, if you read the story, it'll make sense, slowly but quickly, they begin to enslave Israel. And here's a lesson. If you're not careful, what feeds you in this season will enslave you for the next. What feeds you today? Well, just overspending, man. It's just a season. It's not a season if it lasts 25 years. It's a lifestyle. Come on. Y'all don't leave me alone today. Right? The The lesson is, I better be careful what's feeding me. Because it will enslave me. And if it's something destructive, I will now be held captive to the very thing that's enslaved me. So they, they, they go into Egypt. Egypt turns them into slaves for decades. Now, what happens is God goes, that's my chosen people. Israel is my nation, my chosen people. I'm going to get them out of slavery. So he uses a man named 
Moses, that's right, we can talk back in church, we're good. Moses, right, and he uses Moses, does the plagues, all this stuff. They come out of Egyptian slavery. Miracle after miracle happens. Then they, they rebel against God, right, and he goes, all right, the 40 days you've been in the wilderness, you're going to serve a year for every day of um, the, the spies that went and denied my promise. You're going to spend 40, a day per, a year per day, sorry. So they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. So they go from slavery Right? To homeless. 2.5 million people walking around the wilderness. An entire generation has to die. 82 funerals a day have to take place. An entire generation dies out. Moses dies. Joshua takes over. Joshua now, this is where we picked up last week, now leads them into the promised land. They take over Jericho. They defeat Ai. They defeat about six different nations, 21 different kings. All this stuff is taking place. And everything is taking place. And they've seen miracle after miracle. So they've gone from slavery to homeless to now they have 12 tribes in all the land. That's a pretty radical shift over a few decades, right? And all this stuff's taking place. And not only that, Joshua, their leader, before he dies, goes, let me show you all the things God's done in your life. And he's pointing to them his promises and his faithfulness. And now what we see is they begin to turn to rebellion. And what that looks like is in chapter 1 and beyond, they are consistently not doing what God has asked them to do. Mind blown, that's called rebellion. That is the literal definition of rebellion. Let's look at Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt, and I led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Here's what God's doing. He's reminding them of what he's done and what he's promised. Are you with me? Let's go to verse 2. I said, go to verse 2, TV, pay attention. And as for you... You shall not make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. Why does that matter? Because what you don't tear down will haunt you. You will be tempted by everything you won't destroy. That's why many of you are still caught up in the same sin, in the same struggle, in the same cycle you were before you came to Jesus to begin with. Because you want to walk away from the consequences, but you won't destroy the temptation. The pornography addiction is not going to go until you begin to destroy every cent of that addiction. Y'all better talk to me today. He says destroy them. Why? Because they will haunt you. But you have not obeyed me. What is this thing that you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from you. This is God. I'm not going to drive them out, but they will become like thorns in your sides. In other words, they will haunt you. And their gods will be a snare to you. Now when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people raised their voices and wept. So they named that place Bochum, which means weepers. And there they sacrificed to the Lord. Why in the world would God be that mean? If he's a loving God, why would he be that mean? Watch this. You either choose... To be a son and a daughter of God or an enemy of God. And it's your choice, not mine. Let's go back. Somebody breaks into your home. They are now automatically an enemy in front of you. It don't matter if it's me or somebody you've never met before. What do you do? You fight. Why? Because they will not take over your place. Watch this. God doesn't lose. 
And so when I choose evil, God has nothing to do with evil. He can't have anything to do with evil. He is a holy God and a loving God, but he has nothing to do with evil. And so therefore, anything evil is now an enemy. Y'all better get this today. Because it's life to, I'm telling you, God, why would you put me, God, why in the world would you do that to me? Why would you do that to them? It, what is the choice you made? Did you choose to be a son and daughter? Or did you choose to be an enemy? Because that decision determines God's reaction. Yeah, but he's not a loving God if he doesn't. No, 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 no. Love doesn't mean that I just blanket accept everything. Love actually means I point people in the right direction. It actually, I love you more if I'm guiding you than if I just let you go down destruction. Not one time have I ever looked at my kids and said, you can do whatever you want to do. Well, you know what I want to go do, Dad? I want to go jump off of a 10-foot tree right out the top. Yeah, that's probably exactly what you should do. Just go. I accept you. That's not loving. That's dumb. But I love my kids. So I'm like, yeah, you ain't doing that. Nah. That ain't how this is going. Why? I love you. I don't want to see you hurt. Yeah, but you're so mean. If you really love me, you'd let me. No, because I love you, I won't let you. There's a reaction to it. There's something there. And they go into this thing, and they would do. Here's what they would do. They'd do about 90%, 95% of what God asked. And so God would be like, hey, go into the towns. Go into Canaan. We'll talk about Canaan in a minute. Go into Canaan and destroy all their gods, all their altars. Go destroy them all. And they're like, you know what? Let's just conquer it and leave the gods. Let's just do that. Sounds like a great idea. It's for history purposes. Or, you know what we should do? Let's just leave the people that he told us to kill and get rid of because they're going to haunt us and they have evil intentions for our life. Let's just, let's just you know, let's make them our slaves. And what happens is, the, is, is you can take a one degree turn off from where God wants you to be. And within two to three years, you're in a destination you never wanted to be in. Don't believe me? When you're on your way home today, take a wrong turn. Just one. You won't end up at home. It's this, that is an idea of our spiritual journey. Like God, I either we either follow God or we don't follow God. And so they're following this thing and all this stuff is taking place. And here's what I believe rebellion is birthed in. Rebellion is birthed in arrogance. Rebellion is birthed in the idea of I got it from here. Because how many times, and this is what Israel was doing, Israel was going, God, if you'll get me through this hard time, you'll get me through the wilderness, you'll give me manna, you'll give me water, if you'll do this, if you'll do that. And when he does it, we go, hey, God, thanks, appreciate it, I got it from here. I know better than you now. You're just the genie in a bottle, and when I need something done, I'll come to you, I got it from here. You either follow God or you don't. You either follow God or you don't. And that's for everybody. That's where we are. It's either God, you got my life, or God, you got this miracle, and then I'll catch up with you at exit 137 on down the road. Come on. And we got to get to this place to where we go, I don't know better than God. That's why the Apostle Paul consistently talks about being filled and led by the Spirit and not by man. He says it like this. You either are going to please man or you're going to please God, but you can't do both. He says it, and John says it like this. Less of me, what? More of you. Why? Because God, you know better than me. It's beating the arrogance of rebellion. So then, we, let's keep going. Judges 2, 11 through 15, or 13, excuse me, it says this. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They made their choice, didn't they? They became an enemy instead of a child. And they abandoned the Lord. 
That is strong language, people. They walked away from the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them, so they provoked the Lord to anger. How dare he get mad? Yeah, how dare he have to fight for himself? Verse 13, they abandoned the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroth. In other words, here's what that is. Let me explain the Baal and the Ashtaroth. Baal is the God, the supreme, the top God of that area that everybody worshipped. He was the God of fertility. And he was the God of, um, uh, he was the God in Canaan and the God of fertility. In other words, they would go to him when they wanted more. They wanted more crops. They wanted more children. They wanted more money. Whatever it looked like, they worshiped, they'd bow down to him. They'd offer sacrifices to Baal. How many of you know there's a commandment that says, there shall be no other what? God don't lose. We're about to see it. And they would bow down to Baal and they would worship him. God actually told the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and chapter 20 and in Joshua chapter 11 verse 20 to destroy everything about Canaan, which is where Baal was. Burn it down, destroy their gods, and they were like, you know what, God? I got it from here. You gave us the city. I got it from here. I'll do what I think is right. When I get myself in a mess again, I'll come around. And so they didn't do it. And now that God has provoked the anger, why? Because they abandoned the Lord. Why? Because they didn't destroy the very thing that was trying to destroy them. There's an enemy trying to destroy your soul. There's an enemy that's trying to destroy your life. And it is plain and simple in the Bible. It is put in there. You see it all throughout life. We just want to mask it with other things. There's an enemy trying to destroy your soul. And I'm telling you, if you don't destroy the thing that's trying to destroy you, it will eventually destroy you. It will destroy you. We've got to get through this thing. We've got to understand because what we don't realize, we will not overcome. And the Ashtaroth was another main god in that area in Canaan, and it was the goddess of love and sexuality. So they were worshiping the two main gods of more and sexuality. Now, I'm going to give you some statistics. If you're a middle schooler or high schooler in here, you've got to raise your thinking a little bit and understand this is real life. And you've got to know what's going on in life. You got to understand what's in uh, coming after you. Did you know that 13 and a half percent of people ages 12 and over will use illegal and illicit drugs this month alone? 13 and a half percent of people ages 12 and up will use illegal or illicit drugs this month. 47 percent of young people or teenagers, middle schoolers and high schoolers, will use drugs before they ever graduate high school. Why drugs? We're searching for more. I want more of a high, more of a peace, more of, you could put drugs, you put alcohol, you put whatever. 4% of deaths in America every single year are because of drug over, overdose. You may go, well, 96% isn't. Yeah, 4% of millions is a lot you got to understand that. Here's, here's some more. He, they, they worship the God of more and what? Pleasure or sexuality. 70% of men visit a porn site every single month. 
Oh, but don't worry, women. Only one in six of you visit one every single month. That, that was sarcasm. It's still a problem. 25% of search engine searches are for pornography. 10 to $14 billion are spent every single year on pornography-related material. Tell me where our allegiance lies. We'll spend 10 to $14 billion a year building an industry that elicits human trafficking and sexual deviance, but we can't build a building for God's church. And we can't end world hunger. I get real fired up about that kind of stuff. Real fired up. Now, you got 10 to $14 billion. And so you did. But that's the statistic. Pete, here, why is this in, why do we need to know this? We're fighting the same battle today. We're worshiping the same gods today. We're bowing down to the God of sexuality and the God of more and the God of the Ashtaroth and the God of the Baal. Why? Because it's all we know. It's what our fathers did and it's what our grandfathers did and it's what these people did and it's what they did and we call it, it's just the way it is and I'm calling it a generational curse that at some point in time we gotta decide it's gonna be broken in my generation and it's gonna start with me. At some point, freedom's got to take over. At some point, we don't have to, we gotta burn the idols and worship the real God. And everybody in America is searching for hope today. Everybody. Every one of you here today. It doesn't even matter where you are in your faith. You're searching for hope. You turn on the news and there's no hope. You turn into politics and there's no hope. You turn to friends and there's no hope. You turn to paychecks and there's no hope. You get to the bottom of a bottle and there's no hope. You get to the bottom of a prescription and there's no hope. And I'm telling you, we have hope in the man named Jesus Christ who died on the cross because he has value in you. We have hope. We don't have to bow down to these other things. We don't have to be okay with our 12-year-olds taking drugs. We don't have to be okay with our husbands looking at porn sites as long as it's not every other day. You don't have to be okay with the same addiction that you've always dealt with. It's called rebellion. And we got to get through this thing. And we got to realize it to overcome it because rebellion starts slow. But it enslaves fast. And before you know it, the thing that is feeding you today... We'll enslave you tomorrow. Well, it's just a season until it becomes your life. It's not over. We start with rebellion. That's the first part of the cycle. And then God turns to rebuke. Well, why would God rebuke if he's a loving God? Why would he rebuke? Why, why would he do these things? Why didn't he just forgive the rebellion and, and turn me around? Because God's not ever going to force you to do anything. If you're running from your call and what God's put on your life, he will not force you to do it. It's your choice. At some point, you got to go, Nah, I'm running because of past. I need to run into the future of God. Like we, You see what I'm saying? He's not going to make you do something. Let's check out Judges 2, 14 through 15. I told you it's going to get real personal today. But we're living this thing. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. This is his rebuke. And he handed them over to plunderers. Remember when we talked about last week? Be careful what you ask for, because you may just get it. Be careful. 
The Lord burned and he handed them over to the plunderers and they, they plundered them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand against their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them. Why? For evil. Because a holy God has nothing to do with evil. And we, they have now chosen, I would rather be an enemy of God than a child of God. And it's only one choice and you get to make it every single day of your life. How am I going to walk this out today? Is it making sense? Come on, y'all. Is it making sense? As the Lord had spoken, and just as the Lord had sworn to them, so they were severely distressed. Don't forget, Joshua had already told them about this. He said, blessed will you be. If you obey God, blessed will you be when you go out. Blessed will you be when you come in. Blessed will be your crops. Blessed will be your kids. Blessed will be your finances. Blessed will be your jobs. Blessed will be your homes. He said, blessed will be all these things when you follow God. But if you don't follow God, cursed will you be when you go out. Cursed will you be when you come in. Cursed will be your kids. Cursed will be your crops. Cursed will be your homes. Why? Because he has nothing to do with evil. And when we choose evil, we choose to be an enemy, not a child. It's, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. It's the way that life works. In, 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 in Judges chapter 3, 7 through 8, he goes on and he says, So the sons of Israel, what? Did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They made their choice and they forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth, as we've just talked about. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of that name right there. I'm not even going to try it. I've tried like all week long to get that right and I can't do it and I'm just going to confuse you so you figure out how to say it. King of Mesopotamia and the sons of Israel served that name for eight years. It's interesting. They were enslaved. God brought them out. God blessed them. They said, I got it from here. Now they're slaves again. Cycle after cycle after cycle. God, you brought me out of addiction this time. Thanks, I got it from here. Now I'm back to addiction. God. Cycle after cycle after cycle. Now why? This is not what God desired, so why does it continue happening? And it's real simple, and it's two words, and it's this reality right here, that sin costs. Sin costs. What the devil or the enemy will have us believe in our lives through our minds, that's why Romans 12 is so key to understand the power of the mind. He will get us to believe it doesn't matter. It's just temporary. It's never temporary. It costs something. The redemption of your sin costs somebody. The evil in my life costs me being an enemy of God. Because he can have nothing to do with evil. Yeah, but God loves me. I didn't say he didn't love you. I didn't say that. I think he does love you. I know he loves you. I know, I know he does. But he has to rebuke those he loves. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he what? Disciplines. And he punishes every son whom he accepts. If you're a parent, or if you're an aunt, or an uncle, or a grandparent, right? Grandparents don't do this as much. But, <laughs> or a grandparent, you understand this. Because I love my kids. But they ain't getting away with just everything. We've already talked about that a little bit today. God's going, I love you. But I love you more because I'm trying to get you back. I'm trying to help you. 
I'm trying to get you to quit running from what I've called you to do. I'm trying to get you to quit running to evil. I'm trying to get you to quit going towards the Ashtaroths and the Baals. I'm trying to get you back into the love and the family of God. I'm disciplining you or rebuking you because I love you and because you're my child, because you're my son. Here's the truth. What's easy isn't always right, and what's right isn't always easy. What's easy, in fact, my staff knows that if they want to do something and like make it a simpler way to do it, I'm good with the word simple. I am not good with the word right. Uh, easy, sorry. I'm very good with the word right. I'm not okay with the word easy. Because if we're just doing it to make it easy, then just don't do it. I'd rather you do it the hard way than do it just to make it easy. But if you want to do it simple and get it right, let's go. Because what's easy isn't always right. And this, this goes against everything society's teaching us today. Well, this is the easy way to do it. It's got to be right. Nope. Because what's right isn't always easy. It's going to be hard to take a stand against these things. It's going to be hard to break the cycle and the addiction. It's going to be hard to be an alien in a world that you call home. It's going to be hard to live for God when nobody else will. It's going to be hard the older we get and the more we live in this world when it seems like everybody's coming against the Christian faith. It's going to be hard. But will you choose what's right or will you choose what's easy? Because they both don't live together all the time. Sometimes they do. But oftentimes they don't. So you got rebellion, and then you got rebuke, and then it's repentance, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You get in, you go, hey, God, I got it from here, and then you get into trouble, and then it's like, oh, God, I don't got it no more. Help me, God, help me. I'm in a mess, God. I need you, God. And you see it throughout the nation of Israel. You see it all over the place. God, I'm sorry, I don't have it. Will you come back? Will you bail me out? And the first part of Judges 3, 9 says, but the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. They're crying out, God, help. If I, this is why I'm not God. I'd have been like, go call on Baal. Go call on Ashtaroth. Come on, surely they got you. You know, this is the love of God. You're starting to see the love of God respond to what's happening. Now, here's what you have to know about repentance. Repentance means to turn away from. Repentance is not an apology. I tell my kids, and my kids will tell me this too. Sorry is an action. Show me. Change, not, and I'm not saying it to be mean. Like, I take the apology. Like, thank you. I appreciate that. But now change the way you're acting. Because when you're really sorry, you walk away from it. Repentance is to turn away from. Repentance is to turn my back. Repentance is to burn down all the false gods in Canaan. Repentance means I'll turn away from because if I don't turn away from and I don't destroy that thing that's now behind me and I don't get that thing out of my life, it will haunt me the rest of my life. It means I am turning away from it. It is not, oh God, my bad, I'm sorry. Sorry, God, my fault. Probably shouldn't have done. Hey, God, probably shouldn't have done that. No, this is repentance. God, I am so sorry. I know better. I don't know what happened. But God, I, 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 I never want to go back there. And I will, I will burn every cent of that sin in my life. If your spirit will, will walk with me and, and you'll take my hand and guide me, God, I want to follow you and, and just like quicken my spirit when I get close to that again. To turn and go, no, 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 I can't go there. Sorry, can't go to that party. 
well, why not? Well, if I'm going to be transparent with you for a minute, I can't go to that party because I used to struggle with some things that are going to be really prevalent there. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go, and it doesn't mean that you're not a good person and you don't love Jesus. It just means i got to burn everything about that from my past or else it's going to haunt me. I can't, hey, man, I'm sorry, that movie's got way too much of this or that. You see what I'm saying? It's a personal discovery of what you need to walk away from. What parts of your life do you need to burn? What parts of your life do you need to get away from? Because the reality is repentance is a heart decision, not a head decision. Life-changing faith is when we get information to our heart. And we start... Heart decision repentance forces your worship to look different. You sing different, you lift your hands different, you pray different, you read the Bible different because it's gotten from here to here. And the Bible tells me that I live my life as an overflow from the heart. And what that means is that when I get repentance from here to here, and I'm really sorry, I will actually walk away from things. And I will actually burn them. And so what we've got is right now we're rebellion. We've rebelled. They've rebelled. God's rebuked. They've repented. And now God is so good that every time God responds to repentance with redemption. Every time. God's love forces him to respond to repentance with redemption. He responds because he's a good God. In fact, let's read the rest of chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord raised up a deliverer in the sons of Israel to set them free. Who was the deliverer? It was the judge of that nation. Whoever the judge was in that region. Whoever the judge was of that tribe. They'd come in, and what would happen is, you'll see this, and we'll look at it in a minute. You'll see a phrase where it'll say they had this many years of peace. And here's what it means. They have now completed the cycle, and they're on their way, and redemption has come into their life, and they have committed their life back to God. They're like, man, I am with you, God, let's go. And the judge comes in, and he delivers them, and he sets things in place, and accountability in place, and he helps them walk that out until, all of a sudden, what happens? So they raise up a deliverer, Othniel, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. God raises him up, puts the Spirit on Othniel to be the judge that he needs to be, and now the sons of Israel. What is that word? Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. What is that word? Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Wow, here we go. God raises up Othniel, a judge, a deliverer, comes in, helps them. They live 40 years with that. They're good. So the Lord strengthened Eglon. Now he's all of a sudden, they've chosen to be an enemy of God. They've rebelled. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. They've chosen to become an enemy of God. And now you see the cycle. They rebel. What happens? Rebuke. Guess what's next? God, why would you do this to me? Help me. And God's like, I didn't do this. You chose this. This is your choice, not mine. And over and over and over and over and over and over again, you see it. And he says, may all your enemies perish in this way, Lord, but may those who love him be like the rising sun in its might. And the land was at rest for 40 years, which means they were now in a state of living in the redemption that God had given them. And he had to bring them to a place where a deliverer was present and they knew this wasn't how they were intended to live 
This wasn't the cycle God had for them. Why would they choose so much chaos? Why would they choose so much hatred and pain? In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And can I tell you what's happening in so many lives today? God, I don't like your word. I don't like that verse. I got it from here. And here's the truth about God. God loves us right where we are, but way too much to leave us there. And here's the truth. As we've talked about this cycle today, here's what I know is happening. Some of you are going, that's my life. I'm good as long as everything's good. And I, God, I got it from here. Y'all see it in, every, in life all around. I got it from here, God. Thank you. Thank you for the job. Thank you for the wife. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for the paycheck. Thank you for the stuff. Thank you for this. I got it from here. And then we go and do our own thing. And then life gets hard. And God, God isn't showing up like we thought he would. Rebuke happens, right? And then we go, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe if I go to church this week, it'll help. Maybe if I lift my hands and sing that song. You know what I'll do? I'll pull up the Spotify playlist and listen to worship music all the, all the time. I'll read a, a, a chapter a day on my Bible devotion. I'll do all that. And all that stuff's great. God, just, if you would, God, I'm sorry. Help me. And we're good. And we're good. And God gets us back. And he redeems us. And he pulls us out of our mess. And he pulls us out because he loves us. And we've repented. And now it's like, thanks, God. I got it from here. And then we disappear from life groups. And we disappear from worship. And we disappear from the Bible. And then we complain that nobody loves us. And nobody was there for us. And I'm lonely. And I don't know nobody. And nobody's there. And then we rebel. And then it's, oh, God, I'm sorry. All right. Are we being for real today or not? And here's the truth. There's a way to break it. Because God had to raise up a deliverer in those days. But we get to live in the promise that he's already raised up a deliverer after he was in a grave and in a tomb after three days. He already got back up and he said, you are so valuable. I have shed my blood on the cross to cover your sin. And I've shed my blood on the cross that you can live from victory and you can live through victory. And I'm here to tell you today, to break the cycle is to live in his redemption every day. It doesn't mean you'll never get it wrong, but it means repentance goes, when I do, I'll turn away. I'll, I'll walk with you, God, whatever that looks like. My job is yours. My life is yours. My wife is yours. My kids are yours. My money is yours. God, I've got you, and you've got me. And I just can't help but think there's some people that are crazy and tired of living the same psychotic, chaotic circle and cycle. Well, now it makes sense because I don't got it from here. That's great English right there. And for some of you today, the first thing you got to do to break that cycle is you got to go, God, I'm repenting today. Like I've said I'm sorry a million times, but I'm like repenting today. And for some of you, it's repenting of things. But for some of you, it's going, i got to submit my life. Replace my life with yours, Jesus. And give me the forgiveness of the Father. And I want to pray that with you today. So if you would, bow your heads here in the room. In our online campus, if you would. And if you're ready to just give your life to Jesus today, he's chasing after you. And I believe that as we repent, his love causes him to respond with redemption. 
in a new life. The Bible says old things pass away, all things become new, and we're new creatures today. So if you're ready to submit your life, give your life to Jesus today and start a new life with him. I just want you to pray this prayer right where you're at with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving my past, my present, and redeeming my future. I give you all that I am, all that I will ever be, and I don't want to continue the cycle. Would you walk with me today? Would you lead me from this day forward and help me to burn the things, get rid of the things in my life that I don't need to be around? I give myself to you, and I want to be a new creation and a new creature with you from this point forward. Thank you, God, for your love in welcoming me to the family of God. And thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross through your blood for my life. Now, as everyone continues to pray, if you've given your life to Jesus today, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make, and I'd love to walk it out with you. I'm not going to call you to the front or any of that, but we've had a team get up, and they're ready to help you and assist you. And all I'm going to ask you to do, they're not going to walk you out. They're not going to call you out. Nobody's going nobody's to embarrass you. But what I do want to do is I want you to let me know, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, and I gave my life to Jesus. Right now, right where you are, if you prayed that, would you hold your hand up real high and go, yeah, right here. I asked Jesus into my life today to forgive me and that I would become a new creation and a new creature in him and that from this day forward, everything would change. And what's going to happen is here in the room, they're going to put a clipboard in your hand because we want to get your information and we want to walk it out together. I want to pray with you. I want to give you resources. And online, they're going to give you the same instructions on how we can do that with you as well. God, thank you for life change that's taking place in this room. Don't let us just come in here and hear scripture and hear sermon, but let us go out and walk it out and make a difference with you because we love you that much. God, I pray that you'd work on us all week long, that we would walk with you and break the cycle and be aliens in a world that we call home for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you and we honor you. Can we make some noise in the room today for life change that took place? Come on, somebody. Amen. Listen, real quick, real quick, I want to invite you to grab your invite cards on the way out. Life group sign up start next Sunday. We got people ready to greet you and answer any questions in the lobby and outside on the lawn. We'd love to do that. But grab your invite cards on your way out. Invite somebody to be with you next week. And as we say each and every week, I'd love for you to say it with me. Radiate Church, let's go change the world. Love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.